This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, it's fun and games with Vladimir Putin. We have President Biden uh, announcing some new sanctions soon. Uh, Also, great news this morning. Germany did say they're going to shut off the uh, pipeline. So uh, Putin responded with great. Have fun with $2,000 gas payments uh, every month. Uh, We are uh, hopefully not headed for any more than high gas prices, high energy prices. You know, the things we can handle as Americans because we're standing on our principles. At least that's what Kamala Harris said. We also have in studio Mike Rowe, the host of The Way I Heard It, the CEO of uh, Mike Rowe Works Foundation and executive producer and host of Dirty Jobs. Mike Rowe joins us in 60 seconds. So I've been telling you for years now to invest part of your portfolio, if you have a portfolio, just to have some gold or silver uh, as as part of a hedge in case insanity hits. I don't know. I think it's safe to say insanity is here this week only. Goldline is offering a special until Friday. This is something that I asked them to do years ago to uh, put together an accumulation program Um, for people who just didn't have a lot of money to buy gold. So for as little as $200 a month, you can work towards building a secure hedge against the coming insanity in the market. You don't know what's going to last? Well, the Bible tells us uh, that gold is where the world returns. We know this is going to happen again. Look what Turkey is doing. Turkey having problems with inflation. What do they do? They're inviting people to sell their gold back to the central bank. Isn't that a nice invitation? Goldline is offering a special until Friday when you sign up for their exclusive accumulation program. No other country uh, company offers this. 
Um, give yourself some peace of mind. Gold Line will give you a one solid ounce of exclusive silver for free just as a thank you. Let the program work for you on a monthly schedule. The special offer is only available when you sign up at goldline.com. Visit their website today, find out how to enroll, or you can call them at 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Mr. Micro, my friend, how are you, sir? I'm great. You I'm, look I, exactly the same. I hate you. <laughs> you're like you're like Wesley Snipes. You never age. I thought you were going to go with like a Dorian Gray. Kind of thing. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I've used that a couple of times on people and they've been who? Who? And I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. Mind. Look, yeah. if you have to explain it. Yeah. Right. If you yeah, have to yeah. explain an analogy, if you have to explain a joke. You know, mm-hmm. you usually realize halfway through the explanation. Yeah, like, probably shouldn't have started. It's it. not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth Long it. Long run for a short slide. So good to see you. You too. Uh, we're in quite a different world that we uh, were in when we feels like first it. Met. Yeah, feels like it. I wonder sometimes. You know, I mean, it's so easy just to stare at the headlines and look at what's going on right in front of you and conclude or assume that we're truly in unprecedented times. And then you know, you're a student of history. Mm-hmm. You look back, and it doesn't take a lot of imagination to, to, to think, well, you know, the Civil War was a heck of a thing. Yeah. The revolution was a big deal. Yeah. That whole well, World War think, II thing, right? Yeah, but I think we're past the, you know, the 60s were kind of tumultuous. <laughs> you know, 80s kind of sucked a little bit, uh, uh, 70s. I think, we're, I think we're, we're left with the big ones well, at this point. We're all the stars of our own movie, right? We're all the lead in our own play. We're all the protagonist in our own tragedies. And so it's, it's really difficult to look around and not, and not cast ourselves at the center of all of this. We can't help it. It's the, it's, it's the fault in our stars. And it's also the thing, I think, that will inspire good men and women to stand up and be counted. And, and, and they are. I mean, I did you, so. you follow what was happening up in Canada? Oh, sure. The yeah. truckers? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Those people... I mean, they're they're selling off their trucks today. Canadians, mm-hmm. the Canadian government is starting to auction off all their trucks. They haven't been charged with a crime. They haven't gone to have a court hearing. Nothing. You know what strikes me about all of this? And, and maybe this is somewhat of a silver lining in it. I kind of feel like we're about to close the, the loop, right? When this started, truckers were right on the leading edge of heroes yeah they were the very definition of essentiality yeah yeah in the course of two weeks right they they literally went from hero to to villain yeah to goat you know and um and we've done that though with the nurses everything we've done that with police everybody everybody yes we are constantly changing the definition of words that for a long time we thought we understood and those definitions are evolving in real time and if we question it, if we ask about it, well, they look at us like a cow looking at a new gate. Like, what do you, of course, infrastructure involves reparations. Right. Of course it does. Of course it does. Of course right. it does. Of course that protest was peaceful. What do you right. mean? You know, it's in so many ways uh, we've been asked, I think, to simply ignore what we're looking at and, and pretend that. A new language has come along with lots of words that we used to understand but no longer do. It's confounding. So how does this, what, what happens next? Where do we, I mean, with everything that's going on, in your opinion, because you're connected to, to people, you're watching things, you're an intelligent man. Well, thank you. Uh, what, uh, except for the opera thing, but. We make uh, mistakes. We all make mistakes. Yeah. Um, where, where does this go? Well, 
it's going to go splat. Now, I don't know exactly what splat means, but I do know, I think, was it Churchill who said, you know, when you're, when you're marching through hell, always remember to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. You got to get through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, does splat look like a war in Ukraine? Does it look like a, a third wave? Does it? I don't know. Um, but, but I do believe we're getting close to some kind of tipping point, mm-hmm. some sort of critical some sort of critical thing. Mm-hmm. This is such a tiny example. I hate, I hesitate to even use it, but I, I had a moment last week. I, I was in San Francisco, of all places, meeting a friend in a diner. And I walked in, and there was nobody at the hostess stand, and I didn't have my mask on. And I just walked. I could see him sitting right there 10 feet away in a booth. And a woman ran to the front screaming, sir, 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 I need to see your vaccination card. And I said, okay. And I had it, and I, and I showed it to her. And I started walking over to my friend, and, uh, and she said, and sir, you need to put a mask on. And I, I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she had her mask on. And I, I had one in my pocket. But Glenn, I do, this, for the first time during all of this, I smiled and I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do that. I can't put a mask on to walk five feet to sit down and have lunch with my friend without a mask on. And the good part of the story is that there was a, there was a pause and she looked at me and she said, I understand. <laughs> and went about her business. Yeah. And I thought, wait a second. That's so there's, you know, that's a tiny, 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 tiny little thing. But I, I feel a crumbling. Yeah, I, I do too. I can feel it. I do too. And people, I don't know what it's, I don't know. I wouldn't want to bet on what an airport's going to look like in a month or a plane or a restaurant. I really don't know. What does that mean? Well, I think it just means that in that tiny little moment where the people who have to enforce the rules come face to face with the undeniable truth that the rules they've been forced to enforce are not rooted or are no longer rooted in anything that is logical. And at some point, good cops aren't going to arrest protesters at but some look, point. Yeah, at some point. Don't look know at when. how many cops in in Canada just became cops i don't recognize i know but your question is how long does that go on my answer is it's never gone on forever and true it's never gone on forever Forever. yes um let's talk about the bullcrap that is the unemployment rate i keep hearing from the federal reserve you know our unemployment rate is is only 4.5 percent i'm like that's because you're no longer counting the people who are staying home because you're paying them. Right. I mean, there can't, we can't have a 4.5 unemployment rate when everywhere you go, you see help wanted. Everywhere. Talk about a jobs program. Right? Oh, my gosh. Um, yes. That was one of the very first conversations you and I had when you mm-hmm. invited me here years ago. Which, by the way, um, it wouldn't be the same if I didn't thank you for doing that because it did jumpstart my foundation. We're going to mm-hmm. give away another million dollars next month in work ethic scholarships, and we're doing it precisely to answer the question you just posed, which is, if we focus only on unemployment, you take your eye off the opportunities that exist. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities that exist right now are a little Unbelievable. north 11 point what million, right? There are so many open positions right now, and Glenn, not a week goes by where my foundation doesn't get a call from some large company, or more often than not, some association, who is desperate, 
desperate to get out of their own way to hire more people. And they just don't quite know how. <laughs> the, I mean, and if you think about it, it's not a great mystery. Companies are often their own worst enemy when it comes to making a persuasive case for mm-hmm. why you should work there. Because mm-hmm. it all looks like advertising. It all mm-hmm. looks like marketing. And kids today, they've got such a bullcrap meter. They can smell it. They know when they're being marketed to. So what we've been doing for the last 14 years and more pointedly for the last five or six is award these work ethic scholarships and try and make a more persuasive case for the opportunities that do exist by confronting the stigmas and the stereotypes and the myths and the misperceptions that keep millions of people from even looking at a career in the trades where there is so much prosperity going on right now. You pedal spin. That that is. I mean, I, I'm not sending my kids to college. I won't. They can. They can go unless you want to go to Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going. I'm not paying for it because it's just an indoctrination program. And there's they. There are trade <laughs> colleges and and uh, 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 trades that you can apprentice in even. Sure. That are really good. You can make a lot of money and have a. A pretty nice life. And those skills are going away. Going away. Every five tradesmen that retire today are replaced by two. Now that, I think it was Lincoln who, he was talking about something else altogether, but he referred to a terrible arithmetic. Mm. A terrible arithmetic. He was talking about the the death, of course, in the the Civil War. this is just bad math in terms of anybody can look at this and say, you take five and put two back, do it every year for the next 10 years, and there's not much there. And that's what's been happening. We're, our trade force right now is so far north of 50 years of age, and nobody is making a compelling case for tens of thousands of open positions. And the mistake, Glenn, is people think constantly, this is a problem between employers and people who either are untrained or unwilling to work. And that's certainly true, but it's also a problem for anybody who shares my addiction to affordable electricity mm-hmm. and indoor plumbing mm-hmm. and smooth roads, mm-hmm. right? Our, our real infrastructure is I mean, hanging in the balance. One of the jobs, you know, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with all of the numbers that are coming about AI, but a lot of jobs are going to be just destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the jobs that won't be destroyed, plumbers. Right. AI can do new construction, but it can't do it inside the house. Can't Won't be it. able to. That's right. I mean, those guys are going, they already, believe me, I redid my house. They already make a lot of money. Oh, you sure. know what I mean? And they don't have both plumbers, I had two different plumbers. Um, uh, both of them said, I have tried to get people to apprentice with me. I want to pass this on to somebody else. I can't get anybody to work. They'll work two days and they'll go, what, I got to do all of this? This is a, a communications problem and it's a PR problem. And in my view, one of the most important things you can do and anybody who has some, some influence Voice. is tell, tell your plumber's story. Because he can't, right? He doesn't, he, all he can do is preach to the choir and commiserate with other plumbers. And they shake their heads and they say, yeah, we can't, we can't find anybody. Meanwhile, the question we ought to be asking, the rest, you know, the fat part of the bat, the 300 million people in the country ought to be saying, well, how long do we want to wait for a plumber to come to yes. fix the toilet? Right. You know, obviously, we also want to know how much we need to pay. But how long do you want to wait for the lineman 
to get up the pole. How long do you want to wait for the heating and air conditioning guy to come out here during the next big freeze, right? These questions impact everybody. And the, the best way to address it, in my view, I love to talk about it, and I'm, I'll find a bully pulpit and I'll, I'll pound my shoe mm-hmm. on the table forever. But we have to hear from the people who have prospered directly from mastering a skill that's in demand and gone to work. And until we do, our kids are just not going to buy it. Uh, back in just a minute, more with Mike Rowe. First, let me tell you about Car Shield. When it comes to you know the thing that takes you back and forth every day to work, soccer games, grocery store, doctor's office, uh, you have some skin in the game here. When your car breaks down, are you prepared for that? Whether your car has 5,000 or 150,000 miles on it, they have monthly coverage options for all budgets at carshield.com. And you, are, you have locked-in options. This is not going to go up as the price of a mechanic or parts go up. You're paying what you said you were going to pay, and it's locked in for you. They make it easy to get your car fixed as well. You can choose the mechanic or let them take care of everything. Um, they take care of the payment. You don't have to wait around for them to reimburse you. You can get rental car options as well as roadside assistance and trip reimbursement. All at no extra cost. They have helped millions of drivers. Call them today. Get a free quote. I have a, uh, I have a couple of trucks that are just going to drive until the doors fall off. And I know uh, what they have saved me with CarShield. They've saved me a buttload of money. I would have long ago sold those trucks and then had to go buy a new truck, which I don't want to do. They work fine when they work. CarShield, carshield.com slash Beck. Call them now, 800-391-8888. Save 10% on your plan, carshield.com slash Beck, 1-800-391-8888. Deductible may apply. 10 seconds, station ID. So, so Mike, the um, can we continue the conversation about jobs that are going to last uh, mm-hmm. through AI? Are you up on that at all? Are you looking into this stuff? Yeah, I've. I mean, I think so. And by AI, you mean artificial intelligence, intelligence, and the you not know. artificial insemination, which I'm <laughs> no. also prepared to speak <laughs> no, no, on at great length if you like. No, no, that's uh, that's good. It's that's an, good. <laughs> you know, early on in dirty jobs, there was a delightful bit of confusion. Yes, when I told the uh, the network, yes, I've got a handle on a great AI job, and they were delighted. They thought they were going to come back with a big with a big piece on robots, and I had my arm up to my shoulder in a cow. Nearly <laughs> got everybody fired. That is the first time I uh, I did that it's a yeah yeah it's a heck of a thing it's a heck of a thing and you learn why that guy doesn't have one sleeve <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right and and why that cow backs up every time right. he walks every time you see oh, oh no not that this guy. again <laughs> not this no it's bizarre uh it goes to uh language though again right i mean it's a it, it, so much is swirling around you say ai i hear one thing somebody else hears something else well I, I i'm what i'm wondering is we are going to we're going to live in a world where you have to be retrained for something new yes. all the time that's coming uh and we don't seem to have that work ethic mm. anymore it's it feels like it's being beaten out of us well we've we've wrung it out of ourselves we've look it's very very tempting to if 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 the guys at car shield can come out and take care of a problem that you're 
dad would have taken care of himself once upon a time. Yeah. Right? That's a slow creep. It's not a bad thing. It's the very existence of companies like that uh, that I think is telling because more and more of us are are increasingly disconnected from the business of work. I can't change my oil. I can't even find it anymore. No, you can't. You can't go in and change. It's, it's all chips. You That's can't right. even run a diagnostic. You've, I mean, I, we've placed a lot of uh, mechanics through our foundation. And I'm telling you, these guys, they're, they're, it's, it, it's not quite rocket science. But when you open the hood and oh, look yeah. down at that thing, it's pretty close. Oh, yeah. You need to be a software engineer. Yeah, no, it's completely different. So... Look, AI is... It, and, you know, and let me tell you a story. Yeah. I have an old car that has a uh, carburetor. Mm-hmm. I drove it across the country last, and I got up into the Rocky Mountains. That thing was <laughs> dying on me. It's like, sure. I need air, I need air. I couldn't find anyone who knew how to adjust a car. I don't know how. Yeah. No one. And they were, this is the honest to God truth. One guy in that town said, you know... There is an old guy that used to fix his old tractors. I might be able to get a hold of him. And I'm right. like, holy cow, this is a lost art. Yeah. I mean, it's a carburetor. Right. Our dads used to do that. Look, I think it was Huxley. I think it was Huxley who said the, uh, the greatest enemy of freedom is anarchy. But the second greatest enemy is efficiency. And not effectiveness efficiency mm. so when you talk about ai it, to me i immediately think of uh-oh we're we're we've fallen in love with efficiency as opposed to effectiveness effectiveness still has in my mind anyway a human component humans are effective machines are efficient right mm-hmm. and somewhere in all that is a lesson and something to be wary of <laughs> i have a feeling We'll learn it after. We'll learn it the hard way. We'll learn it the hard way. Mike Rowe, thank you so much. Mike is going to be on uh, the podcast that you will hear on Thursday if you are a member of The Blaze and Saturday, wherever you get your podcast. Mike Rowe from Mike Rowe Works uh, Foundation. You can follow him uh, at MikeRowe.com. The Glenn Back Program. Let me tell you, there is one thing that I think should be in every person's house, and that is the Tuttle Twins book. It's a series of books uh, that uh, teach our kids about hard work, teach our kids about why our nation was founded, teach our kids uh, why small government is best, how companies work, why a free market, a truly free market will always beat everything else. Right now, um, there are the books for the kids and also for the teenagers in your life. Ayn Rand uh, in Atlas Shrug, um, she was she tackled things, you know, on, on if you had to make your own car, your own clothes, your own root beer. How would your perspective change on what you and everyone else, you know, deserve? How would it change? That's the subject of the Tuttle Twins and the search for Atlas as an Atlas Shrugged. Get these books now. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get a discount and bonuses today. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Head over to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV.
This is the Glenn Beck program today. Uh, Mike Rowe is uh, with us. Did you see the Putin interview or <laughs> the Putin hour long? Is that what it was? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, it was a speech, I guess, but not really. Yeah. I don't think he had prompter. Look, I mean, I, I, I applaud improvisational free association when yeah. it's done really, really well, but yeah. um, not to say that it wasn't done well. It's just more terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it's, 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 it because you really was because you have to assume what you're really truly hearing is what he really truly thinks. Yeah, there is no script to wander Correct. from. Correct, he's, he's just talking to you. Yeah, and what did you learn? Uh, I learned that um, he was not really super pleased with the way the Cold War ended, <laughs> and thought maybe um, the time had come to uh, do a little course correct. Right, but that's he, what I heard. But he also wasn't about. He didn't like Lenin. He didn't like Stalin. He Khrushchev. didn't like Khrushchev. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's it was. He put a lot of dots on the table, uh, and I I don't quite know how to. And they were them. kind of crazy dots. So the question is, is he trying to be the guy with the twit? Is he trying to be like Donald Trump, where you're like that guy just might do it? Yeah, is that what he's doing, well, or is he really that guy? I, and I'm not sure it's a distinction with much of a difference anymore. You know, we you 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 we don't get to know. We don't get to know unless we're keen to find out. And again, what that means, it's back to the splat conversation. And I, I don't know. I, I But Biden's up to the task. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to I'm going to double down again on on the language. Mm. I, what we're watching happen to our lexicon right now is just breathtaking. They're talking about was it an invasion? Is it an invasion? An army just crossed a border, but mm, maybe, you know what? It's not an invasion. It's a, it's an outing with, <laughs> with weapons. So, I mean, it's well, just, just, it was so wild. He just sat down, signed a paper yesterday and said, yep, it's ours. Yep. Right. And that's it. My boy, who are you signing that paper? Who's that agreement with? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, what I do know that scares me is that everybody's watching. It's not just us. It's not just interested people in our country. Everybody in the world is watching real hard. A lot of people are going to take their cues from whatever we do or whatever we don't do. You're keen uh, on news watching. You you are a very well-educated man, and you also uh, pay attention to what's going on. I try. Is this why you were uh, one of the original people asked to uh, host The Daily Show? <laughs> Um, no, I think that, I mean, that was a long time ago. I, I know, but you would have been fantastic. Well, it would that. have been a different show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, I don't know that it would still be on. Um, but no, I was actually hired uh, twice to host that show. I auditioned the first time, uh, got an offer, and over the weekend, uh, ESPN let Craig Kilborn out of his contract, and they changed their mind. And then a year later, when Kilborn left, uh, Comedy Central called again and said, look, everybody here loves you. We're going to bring you back. 99% sure it's yours. The only way you don't wind up hosting The Daily Show, Mike, is if this, <laughs> this is a direct quote, is if this cheap-ass network somehow comes up with a big pile of money for Norm MacDonald or Kevin Nealon or John Stewart, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Three days later, yeah. John signed a four million dollar deal. I was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> so I crawled through sewers for twelve Whoa. years instead. <laughs> what was it like to to know mm -hmm. 
we really want somebody else, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's well, it, again, it's that whipsaw effect of certainty and uncertainty. It's it's you know, Lucy is holding the football and Charlie Brown is running at it, you know, and now first time, you know, he falls on his back and, you know, mm-hmm. that's his bad second mm-hmm. time. He's got nobody to blame but yeah. himself. You know, third time. So, so look. That, <laughs> Did it, you think it was going to happen the third time? No, the third time. I, I didn't wait around for the third time. Yeah, okay. I thought, look, this is just go another way. The, the universe is giving you a sign. You know what they did? They actually offered me a correspondent role. And at the same time, Dick Clark offered me a game show for the FX network. And so I, I hosted 40 episodes of a game show nobody ever saw. Yeah, I would have gone with Dick Clark, too. How do you not? I mean, she's yeah. Dick Clark, Did right? you meet him? Oh, yeah. What was he like? What a genius that guy was. Well, he, he was... Is this before the stroke? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah this was 1997, 1998, maybe, mm-hmm. I guess. He, um, he was insouciant. In that way that pretend I mean, that some members of the audience, <laughs> not like, me, of course, you don't s- know what you sip is insouciance, <laughs> right? Yes, okay, it's Google. It's still it's 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 good. It's um, it it's a it's a level of relaxation that many people try and imitate, but you can see when people are faking it on mm-hmm. TV, right? Dick Clark was really relaxed. He was so comfortable. With who he was. As a host. And he, he so completely understood how to do his job that it relaxed everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And he brought that same sensibility into being a producer. And that's why Dick Clark Productions really is still standing long after he's gone. He, um, he gave me some terrific advice. He only said one thing to me. We did 40 episodes of the show called No Relation. And uh, after the first episode, he said, hey, Mike. I just love everything you're doing. Your instincts are really good. One bit of advice. When you walked out on the stage, you said, hi, everybody. I'm Mike Rowe. Welcome to No Relation. And you went through your thing. Here's the thing. I know you're talking to everybody. I know we're broadcasting. But they're home, Mm -hmm. right? You're just talking to them. Mm -hmm. Just say hi. And I thought, son of a gun. That's why you're Dick Clark. Yeah. You know? Hi, it's Dick. Nice to see you. I, it bothers me so much. That's one of the earliest things I ever learned. It bothers me so much when I hear people say, hi, ladies and gentlemen, or hi, <laughs> everyone. It, it's it's a wasted opportunity. It is, because I feel as though I have a, I could feel this at Fox. I feel it here. I feel one person. Mm-hmm. I don't feel a crowd. You're so good at this instinctively, and it's so, it's it's a hard lesson to teach, but People in broadcasting have grown suspicious of, of beginnings and ends. And so when you come into your show, you're, right, you're almost always finishing up doing something else. So the, the listener has this sense that, okay, you're not just sitting here waiting for somebody to say action, yeah. even though we kind of are, yeah. right? Other things are happening. Other conversations are going on. And so the degree to which you can incorporate any level of genuine behind-the-scenes activity goes straight to authenticity mm-hmm. and dick clark knew that too yeah and so did dirty jobs um let me let me switch to uh micro works because tomorrow you begin uh, awarding these scholarships right yeah, yeah. so how, a how do people uh apply and what is the what's the process how do you select these people there's some hoops to go through but not a lot we award work ethic scholarships and which work- means what which means we're affirmatively looking for people 
who are not interested in pursuing a four-year degree, but learning a skill that's in demand, people who are excited about showing up early, staying late, and doing whatever it takes along the way to distinguish themselves on the job. Boy, those are rare. They are rare. Rare. But when you find it, boy, when you find it. So we've been doing this now. Foundation's been around for 14 years. We've been handing out scholarships for about six or seven. We try and do at least a million a year. And tomorrow, uh, this year, we actually raised more. So I've got a, a decent chunk of money. And we're looking for people to go to microworks.org, fill out a work ethic scholarship application. You have to make a case for yourself. I want to see video. I want to see an essay, right? I don't care about your GPA, but I do care about your attendance. I care about your references. And I ask for these things. Mm. I, you, you need to sign the sweat pledge. Mm-hmm. Skills and work ethic aren't taboo. You need to agree to 12 tenets that I put out there years ago. And not everyone agrees with them. And every year, Glenn, I wind up telling angry parents who don't want their kids to sign the sweat pledge that it's entirely possible this particular pile of free money might not be for you. Okay, <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, do you really have parents that say, "Oh, sure. I, I, I would give anything to uh, to have uh, my children really understand hard work," and it's really hard. Because nothing in society is showing that. Nothing mm-hmm. in society is showing that. Well, we've affirmatively identified work as the enemy, as the proximate cause of our unhappiness. And that's a logical thing to do if you define your boss as the wretch who is making you do things that you don't want to do. It all, it all follows the same sort of self-defeating course, but it starts with saying, if you're unhappy, if you're not satisfied with your job, it's the job's problem, right? That's yeah. where job satisfaction, that's why it's such, again, the language fools you into thinking the job has some power to satisfy you. If that were the case, well, all stockbrokers would be happy and all garbage men would be mm-hmm. miserable. But that is far from the case. I have to tell you, um, I, this back in the 90s, I was uh, working at uh, three stations, and I was I was running them, and mainly into the ground. But I was running them, <laughs> and uh, and Stu could verify, right? I was there for right that one. Ground, yes, right he's accurate on that. Uh, and they wanted to fire me, but my contract for the radio show was so big they didn't want to pay it out. So they just wanted to make me miserable, mm-hmm. and so they fired me. And I went from the top guy, and the guy who came in said, "I want you to make all the dubs." And that is a production job that is the lowest on the ladder. That's what I was doing at 14 years old. And um, at first, I was really upset about it. And uh, I happened to be talking that day. I went to my friend who was very, very spiritual and said, and she said, uh, why are you so upset? Isn't I thought you were praying to be humbled. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but not like this. (laughs) Not not this way. (laughs) And uh, and it totally changed my point of view. And I came in the next day and I said, thank you. These are going to be the best dubs anyone has ever done. And it drove him out of his mind, which I can tell you did add a little joy to my life. <laughs> sure. Uh, unexpectedly, I didn't think he would be joyful, but it, it was true. You choose. And if you choose to look at it as something I don't want to do, or if you choose to look at it as something this I'm going to learn something from. Well, look, if you think there's a difference between a good job and a bad job or a clean job and a dirty job, then 
then you might as well throw Dr. King out the window too, right? I mean, the dignity of being the best street sweeper you can possibly be isn't limited to the business of sweeping streets. It's that's such good advice because it opens the door to so many other things. Mm-hmm. That's if and you, I don't think that's been more true than it is right now. It's certainly never been more important, but yeah. it's also never been more suspect because people can't look at the ladder. They only look at the rung mm-hmm. and they forget that the most important rungs on that ladder are the ones at the bottom. They're mm-hmm. the ones where you start. Mm-hmm. And so if you arbitrage the dignity out of dubbing tapes, mm-hmm. then you have to ask yourself, well, what happens if the tapes don't get dubbed? And watch the trickle effect all the way up mm-hmm. to the guy who's got the big fat contract mm-hmm. who suddenly can't throw to a break in a proper way mm-hmm. or who suddenly, right? So it's all connected. And we've, we've gone about the business of tr- disconnecting ourselves. If work is a mosaic, and I believe it is, or a quilt that's held together, then we're held together by, by that same thing. So when we talk about essential jobs versus non-essential, or blue collar versus white collar, we set ourselves up for certain failure. Mike Rowe, uh, please check out his uh, foundation. Uh, you can find him at micro.com or follow him at microworks on Twitter. Uh, blinds.com as the weather is warming up. Yeah, right. It was 85 here yesterday. Tomorrow we have an ice storm coming. I, uh, it's time to start sprucing up the place, giving it all the TLC. You maybe, uh, you know, maybe got away from you. And uh, now you're looking at your house and spring is here and you're going to, you want to just a different kind of feel to the house. One of the first places to start is with your window treatments. It is the easiest, the fastest and the cheapest way to really dramatically change the feeling of your whole house. And you can do just a room or the whole house with blinds.com. The number one online retailer of custom window coverings with over 40,000 five-star reviews. Their free professional design consultants are always there to help you out with blind shade shutters whatever you need it's blinds.com they have you covered and they want to celebrate you in 2022 with huge savings so shop blinds.com now and save up to 35 percent site-wide blinds.com 35 percent off right now site-wide it's blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply the glenn back program So we seem to be having trouble, trouble defining Ukraine even anymore. These are now just pro-Russia regions that he has taken. Not, not, not Ukrainian regions that are pro-Russia. It'd be like taking South Dakota and Canada just rolls in and is like, yeah, a lot of people really liked us up here. Yeah, they're pro. They're pro Canadian regions. regions of not even of America. Yeah, it's just no, pro Canadian regions. Right. That's the, that's you know, C- it's called South Dakota. Yeah, North Dakota. Yeah, CNN is that's how they're describing them, which has kind of started this conversation off the air, where they legitimately call Putin to orders troops into pro Russia regions. Um, now they they included Eastern Ukraine on one of their um, uh, at least they included that on yeah. one of them but like isn't isn't this like if vladimir putin was writing a banner 
Wouldn't he call these just pro-Russia regions? What does that mean? I mean, I don't know what the polls are. He rolled into three regions of the Ukraine. Right. And then he signed a treaty, I think, with himself. Right. Yesterday, there was this big (laughs) treaty signing thing. He's got all these documents and he's signing it like it's a big momentous moment. What is it? I give these three regions of Ukraine (laughs) to me. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) It's a good gig if you can get it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because he's named the people who get to lead these regions. He's empowering them. They're obviously puppet regimes, essentially, of a region that is still part of Ukraine. And now they're like, well, look, if they come in any farther, then we're really going to get upset. Yeah. Like what happened? The whole minor like, incursion thing was a typical Biden gaffe. You mentioned this earlier. He just blurts out something which is right. he believes is, is true, but he's not supposed to say. It's like if a robber comes in and they only are in your living room and your formal dining room. And you're like, ah, well, they're only robbing that part of the house. So the police really shouldn't come. I mean, that's probably happening in Minnesota, right. but I mean, no, they're robbing my house. Even if they're only in two rooms of my house, they're robbing my house. That's a minor incursion, but it's just it's your kids' bedrooms. Don't worry about You're right. it. You're mm-hmm. right. You're right. This is the Glenn Beck Program.